the Lighthouse Church. Uh, this is my first time uh, being here with you guys. Um, and so far, let me just say, I just wanted just to say that because as soon as I walked through those doors, I just felt just overwhelming peace. And I just wanted to just say that to you guys. I just, it's, it's, it's a true blessing to be here. And thank you also for that amazing time of worship as well. It was, it was just great. From the welcome up until here, it was very great. So let me just say that, just to encourage you all as well. So I just wanted to say that uh, Barking Elam sends their greetings. So I'm, I'm originally from Barking Elam. Uh, Pastor Lloyd has been here to preach before. He sends his greetings as well and the, the rest of the church as well. So let me just say just a little bit about myself. Uh, I know I'm a stranger to you guys, so I just want to introduce myself a little bit. Uh, so as you know, my name is John Luca. Uh, I'm an assistant pastor at Barking Elam Church. I actually grew up at Barking Elam Church. Barking Elam is my home church since I was 10 years old, since I came to this country, basically. Uh, I am 26 years old now. I originally come from Italy. My parents are actually from South America, from Peru. Uh, I'm, a, I'm from a family of immigrants. <laughs> I, uh, I was born in Turin, which is in northern Italy as well. And uh, throughout my life, I've been surrounded by Christians, surrounded by the church. Uh, my parents are Christians. My younger brother is there, Mattia. He is a Christian. My older sister is a Christian. My younger sister is a Christian. My grandparents are Christians as well. So a lot, a lot of Christians, basically. So I know how nutty they can be as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so even my first memories as well, they're, they're still centered in Christianity. In fact, uh, my, my very first memories when I was one years old, I know it's a bit strange that I can remember stuff when I was one years old, but I, I remember my grandma reading the Bible to me in Spanish. In fact, that's how I learned Spanish, through the Bible, and that's why I can read and write it. So I attribute one of my languages to the Bible and to the church as well. So, yeah, so I've been surrounded by it. And, uh, yeah, and I attended things like Sunday school. I attended youth when I was younger as well. And, uh, you know, throughout all my life, I've heard of the Bible. I've heard what the Bible teaches and what uh, the preachers from the pastors as well. I've heard of, you know the wonderful, miraculous deeds that God did, did in the middle of his uh, children, amongst his children, and throughout history as well. And, uh, you know, when you are in Sunday school, when you are a you, uh, in the youth as well, like, you, you've learned that God is kind, isn't it? You learn that God is generous, that he's caring, that he's powerful and mighty. And you learn it through all the stories that are within his word. But I think everything can be encapsulated when you think of the following statement, that God is love. Amen? God is love. And people love that description of God. God is love. But that's all good and well. But if God is love, then the next thing that one must ask himself is this. Do you love God? Do you love God? Yes. Amen. I know for some of you that's very easy. Some of you are looking at me blankly. <laughs> you know, yes, I do love God. And, you know, that reflects in my daily life, you would say as well. And yet this question can be understood in two ways. Every time I asked myself this question, it really brings me back actually to a time when somebody 
actually asked myself that question. And I had to be honest with what my response was within that. But we'll look at that in, the, in a second. First of all, we, we look at the key word in this, which is the word love. Everyone say love. love. Turn to the person next to you and say love. <laughs> Many people in this world wonder what it is. They search for it. They go to great lengths to find love. You know, in romantic relationships, they go, you know, to, they find, fam- they, you know, they, they form families amongst friends, uh, their passions, hobbies, their careers, their studies. Most people will tell you that love is kind of like a strong feeling of affection that you cannot control. You know, that strong tingling feeling that makes you feel warm on the inside. Um, isn't it right? Does love make you feel that? <laughs> yeah? Yeah? A little bit. Some of you are a bit like... <laughs> Men don't reply to that. <laughs> and suddenly everything in the world is better. Everything in the world is joyous and happy. It's a feeling that drives you to happiness. But, but it's also a word that can be overused a lot, isn't it? Am I right? Yeah, it, it kind of loses its meaning at times. Uh, you know, people say things like, you know, I love pizza. Who loves pizza in here? You know, I'm Italian, right? I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not impressed by the hands up. <laughs> I love pizza. I love football. Who likes football? Yeah, I don't like football. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or, you know, husbands, you love your wives. Or... Wives, you love your husbands. I love her. I love him. Sometimes it can be trivialized at times, though. Not saying that some of you don't mean it, but it can be used uh, very, you know, very trivially. But strangely enough, also, it's a word that at times and in certain situations, people don't want to waste it as well. You know, especially when you are trying to be in a relationship as well. Some, some of you may have been reluctant to say, I love you, Right? It's quite, there's a bit of of that reluctance to say it because actually there is that sense that actually love, to say love, (laughs) that you love someone, is not just a mere emotion, isn't it? It's not just something that is temporary. It's not something that, um, it's something that actually points towards something bigger, something that requires commitment, that it requires action that requires true knowledge and assurance. And that is the love that we Christians believe in. Amen? This is the kind of love which in the Bible, which in the Bible is celebrated as the the heart of God's love. So, if you have your your, your Bibles with you, let's turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40. Some of you might know this by heart, but Matthew 22 Verse 34 to 40, and we're going to read this together. Everyone there? Kind of, not really. <laughs> where's Frank? Where's Matthew? <laughs> right. This is what the Word of God says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your 
and with all your some of his soul, mind, strength, they're all there. <laughs> this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, Father God, I just pray, Lord, that as we unpack your word, Lord, and as we go through this theme of love, Lord, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will guide us, Lord, in all understanding, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will guide our Bible reading, Lord, this morning, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 So, today we're going to concentrate on the first bit of that commandment. And which bit is that? Can anyone tell me again? All your... Yes, exactly. Love the Lord your God, depending on your translation, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. It sounds simple, right? Sounds simple? Let me emphasize on sound simple. <laughs> and yet we fail many times to do this all the time, isn't it? We, with both our actions and desires. So what are the ways that we love God? What are they? So let me just say just a few bits in here. So the lo- to love God is to worship and praise him, Right? You know, like what we did earlier, we were praising God with songs. As it says in Luke 4, 8, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know, the book of Psalms provides many beautiful examples of how to worship and praise our creator. You know, it's so obvious when we start even loving ungodly stuff. I mean, who has been there? Like when you love something that is not real, it's from the world. Who's been there? Yeah, I've been there. I know. I, I want to admit that as well. Our instincts, sometimes as men and women, as you know, sinful men and women, is to worship whatever that is, isn't it? We tend to go through that route at times. Whether that is money, jobs, hobbies, relationships, opportunities, the heart of man is always ready to worship something that is put on a pedestal within our hearts, a material god of some sort. But obviously, the important thing is that we direct that to the only true living God. Amen? Amen. So we must praise him and we must worship him. And worshiping is not just about singing songs as well. Don't get that wrong. It's also about serving others as well. You know, is, you know, volunteering to do things here and outside of here as well. Secondly, to love God is to put him first put him first. As we read earlier, the number one commandment is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. It's an undivided type of love. God is our priority. Turn to the person next to you and say, God is our priority. (laughs) If we love God with all our hearts and with all our souls and with all our minds and strength, then we won't allow other things to crowd in, isn't it? We wouldn't. Our love for God is manifesting by loving people, but we do not love the things of the world. As it says in Psalm 73, verse 25, and besides you, talking to God, I desire nothing on earth. In 1 John 2.15, we cannot love this present world and God at the same time. Right? We cannot Love for the world offers, 
offers just people being led astray, basically. It doesn't lead you in a good path. So instead of putting the world and things of the world first, to love God is to put Him first. Amen? Amen. Everyone got that so far? What was, that? what was the first thing I mentioned? <laughs> to love God is to put Him first. And what was the other thing? Worship and praise Him. You guys were listening. <laughs> Don't worry, it's fine. We'll get back to them again. <laughs> Thirdly, to love God is to desire Him. To desire Him. To yearn for His righteousness, His word, and His grace. Psalm 42, verse 1, just like the song, As the deer pants for streams of, live of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Once we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we want more of Him, isn't it? We yearn for Him. If we love God, we will be like Mary of Bethany, isn't it? You know, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what He had to say. Above everything else that had to be done, she was there at His feet because she yearned to listen to Him. If we love God, the psalmist's description of the Word of God will resonate with us in Psalm 19.10. It is more precious than gold, than much pure gold, sweeter than honey. Who is a sweet person here? Oh, okay, okay. Some of you are a bit reluctant to admit it. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of sweets. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of sweets. I'm more of a savory per type of person. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, that person that would eat a bag of crisps rather than a bag of chocolates. <laughs> but regardless, exactly my sister. <laughs> but just like we love sweet stuff or savory stuff, like me and... <laughs> What's your name, sorry? Angie. Angie, like me and Angie here. <laughs> we must learn to love God as much as we love sweets and savory stuff. We must yearn for Him and desire Him above everything. And also, fourthly, to love God is to obey Him. To obey Him. Jesus tells us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 15. However, this is not just a matter of merely following rules and registering good deeds within our lives. It's not checking something out from a checklist. It is about having God's love written in our hearts. Amen? We naturally wish to please those who we love, right? We, when, when we love God, we will want to please Him and we will want to obey His commands eagerly. As, John, as Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is written within my heart. Hallelujah. So that's it. That's my sermon. You can all go home now. <laughs> I, gave, I gave the, the, the typical Elim sermon, four points. That's it. You can go. <laughs> But you see, I've heard these points many times, I would say. You know, if you've grown up in a church, you probably hear this quite regularly. You know, obey God, desire Him, read your word, praise Him, worship Him. And yet I know for certain people out there, 
maybe even in this room. I don't know. All of these things are difficult and maybe actually even meaningless to a degree if you started to look at yourself honestly. Hmm? And that's because there is a fifth point that needs to be mentioned in this, which if you don't actually have, then none of these points will actually help you. And that is, to love God is to know him. Hmm? To love God is to know him. If you don't know about his love, you won't worship him or praise him. You know, if you, if you don't love, if you don't understand his love, you won't put him first. If you don't know about his love, you won't desire him. You won't obey him as a result of that. So I guess the second meaning to that question that I've asked at the, at the very beginning is not really about the actions to take to love him. More or it's more of, do you actually love God? Do you know God? So let me tell you just my testimony within that. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I grew up in the church. <laughs> Who's grown up here in church? In the church. So you will know that it's quite, it's quite tricky at times. It's like, when was I actually saved <laughs> in my life? <laughs> when was it that I actually made that commitment? Was it because of my parents? Was it because of my grandma, my granddad? When did it actually truly happen? You know, I grew up in church for most of my life. And many people from Barking Elam Church still remember me when I was 10 years old, when I used to go to Sunday school. It's a bit odd at times, <laughs> you know, having to hear your Sunday school teacher say, like, oh, pastor. <laughs> but that's how it was. I grew up in that church. I served in that church. You know, when I became a teenager, I served playing the keyboard. I sung in the choir. My mum is the choir director at my church. <laughs> so I kind of had to go along with that. <laughs> Sorry, mum. <laughs> you know, I was baptised in that church. I was growing up in a Christian environment where I knew a lot of people. But actually, there was one thing that not many people knew in my church. You know, even though I was a young person that was singing, that was serving, that was going to youth events, that was baptized even, no one really knew that the young person that was growing up amongst them actually was struggling deeply with his faith. You know, can I be... Can I be, how do I say, can I be open with you guys? <laughs> Thank you. And I'm assuming also the people online are okay with that. At the age of 13, and I was serving in church, I was still there, I started struggling with same-sex attraction. You know, when I was growing up, you know, homosexuality was said very clearly it was a sin. And I knew that very well. <laughs> I knew it. But the struggle was still there. 
And you know, I would hear the stories of God, of the, of the God that was, that did miracles, that did the impossible, that made things happen to people that weren't expecting it. <laughs> you know, I saw, I, I've known of the God that split the Red Sea, the God that would send fire from the sky, the God that would heal people as well. The God that would turn around the lives of people like Saul, making him become an apostle to the Gentiles, to us. Growing up, reading about those stories made me always hope, Lord, Lord, please take this away from me. Lord, help me. From the age of 13, and then I turned 14 and nothing happened. I turned 15 and nothing happened. I would pray. I would continue serving. I would put, continue trying to please God as much as I could in my life. Continue reading his word. And yet nothing. And then I got to the age of 18. I had to leave for university. And then I got to a place where I actually had to choose do I believe in a God that stays silent in my life? Or do I just let go to everything that I just that I know to be true about myself at that point? Do I just let go to a lifestyle that I've been told and growing up in my life that I was wrong? Or do I keep trusting in him? And then something that I'd, I'd never really experienced before at that point happened. A voice in my head then asked me this, do you love me? And you know, bearing in mind that all these years I've been struggling in silence. I've been, I, I've, I've, I wasn't telling my parents about any of this because I was ashamed. I was praying for a miracle that never came. The light that was within me had faded at this point. And then when he asked me that question, do you love me? I said no. No. In fact, I hate you. I hate you because you've never answered my prayer. I hate you because I looked for you and I didn't find you. And I was asking why. Why did I have to go through my teenage years suffering for something that I never asked for? What kind of loving God are you? And it was difficult. It was difficult to say those words. But then, something happened in my heart at that point. Because although I admitted that I never truly loved him, these words came out, I don't want to hate you anymore. And suddenly something changed in my life. Suddenly I felt God's presence in my life for the very first time. And it wasn't about 
act, the actions that I had done in my past. It wasn't because I wasn't saved because oh, I was baptized. I wasn't saved because I was serving in church. But this, that was the moment that I finally, truly known God for the very first time in my life, where He truly spoke to me, and He embraced me and He said, "I am here." And that's when I gave my life to Christ. On the 13th of September of 2014, that's when my life started to change. And I don't regret that. I don't regret what happened. And I even look back at the problems that I went through. And even though I may not understand completely everything, I know that those trials helped my life. I know that those trials actually helped me become who I am today. And that's when I started loving God. <laughs> and because I didn't understand love, and because I actually didn't love him to begin with, I had to be honest. As it says in 1 John 4:8, anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. God is love. His actions are of love, his mercy, his grace, his justice, even his wrath as well, are a result of his love in nature. And the revelation of his knowledge found in his word is the foundation for understanding his love and a stepping stone to love him back as well. So, I want to do this now. For anyone that doesn't understand, for anyone that is in the same shoes as I was all those years ago as well, I want to tell you about God's love. I want to tell you about the love that saved me. God's love, firstly, is everlasting. There is no single time or instant where God stops loving. He always always loves. Jeremiah, the prophet, reassures the people of Israel during their exile that God hadn't forgotten them. He says to them, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. God's love is, is consistent, everlasting, and unwavering church. It's not like the love that we find in the world. It's not the love that fails us, that the world promises us. His love is everlasting, and he will never stop. Although we may not always feel God's love, we're assured that God is present with us. And God is present here as well, right now. Secondly, God's love is sincere. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 1 Corinthians 13, 67. I believe there's a lot of prophets, fake prophets of love out there that give you a husk of what God's love truly means. And as a result of that, many people do not have the trust or the confidence in love they don't, because they've been hurt too many times in their lives, isn't it? They've been deceived too many times. 
People have been disappointed by the notion that someone truly actually cares for you, that someone truly does love you, that someone is actually being sincere about it. But rest assured to every single one of you that God loves, God's love is sincere and it is truthful above all else. And not only that, his children, us, the church, are also called to have that same sincere love for others as well, towards the people that are around us. As it says in Romans 12, 9 to 10, love must be free of hypocrisy. Detest what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. In a world where where sincerity and honesty is lacking. Just know that God's love will always be sincere and that his children as well, us, are called to love in the same way. Amen? Amen. God's love is just. We know that although God is love, he is also a God of justice as well. As it says in Isaiah 61.8, For I, the Lord, love justice, I hate robbery and iniquity. I will faithfully give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. Some people may think this is a contradiction and that love and justice have to be separate. But that's further from the truth. In reality, there is no love without justice. There isn't. And there is no justice without love. When we talk about God, at least, those attributes always work together. As it says in Psalm 33, 5, he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. God, God will always be concerned for the ultimate well-being of us, mankind. And he will have a passion to do what is right and enforce the appropriate consequences for what is wrong. Love and justice have worked together when God even dealt with us at the cross, isn't it? when he desired for us to be restored to fellowship with him. But out of his justice, there was a requirement that had to be paid. And out of his mercy and grace, he spared us that penalty with his only begotten son that was sent to atone on on our behalf. And now you and I actually have that freedom, isn't it? Because of it whether mental, physical, spiritual, all of this was made out of love for you and I. And talking about the cross, we have to remember that God's love is a gracious gift. Amen? Amen. It's a gracious gift. Romans 5, 6 to 8, let me just read this. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps... For the, God, for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You didn't do anything to deserve it. I didn't do anything to deserve it. We were born into sin. We were at enmity with God. We were unlovable and undeserving. Yet Christ still died for us. And that's because God's love is perfect. That's my fifth one. 
I highlighted earlier that God is love, but it's, it's good to remember that God is perfect. If he's perfect, then his love is perfect as well. His love cannot fail, and you can never be separated from it, neither. In Romans 8, 37 to 39, it says, But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor, nor any other created thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I don't know about you, but I have a great assurance within that. Nothing will ever be able to separate his love from me. And let me just say that for you as well. Nothing will ever separate you from his love. Amen? Amen. And I want to encourage us, as I just end this sermon as well, and kind of, I'll also add this as well, that we have the Holy Spirit as well to aid us in this. You know, our love may fail us, and it does fail us at times, but we must remember that he lives within us as well. And our, although our actions may fail, he's the one that is working within us as well. If you lack in love, then ask him. Ask him to give you, to give you more love for others. And if you are failing to love God as well, then ask yourself that question that I asked myself many years ago. Do you love God? Do you love God? And I also wanted to say as well, I know there are many young people as well here. Never assume that your son or your, or your daughter does actually know God just because they attend church. Because just like with me, that wasn't the case. But it's not too late. Keep, keep preaching to your children. Keep teaching them. Keep guiding them in the way of light, in his path of righteousness. Keep seeding those seeds within their hearts as well. Because although I know that at that very point in time, just before it, there wasn't fruits, I know that the seeds that my parents had sown in me did bear fruit in the end. So keep doing that. Not just to your children, to any child, to any young person within this church as well. Keep nurturing them. Keep preaching the gospel to each other. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that the gospel shouldn't be heard amongst you anymore. The gospel is still relevant for us as well. And it will continue producing love, the fruit of love within our hearts for the, for the rest of our days as well. So let's just close our eyes just for now. I know that Sometimes it's just easier to say, yeah, I do love God because I've been coming to church for this amount of X of years. I'm serving in the worship team. I am serving at the door. I'm helping the children on Sunday school. 
But let's just be honest for it with ourselves. If you are in that place right now, where actually you've been coming to church for many years now, and actually that impact of the gospel hasn't actually come to you, If you're honest with yourself and you say to yourself that actually you don't know God, I want to ask you to take a stand right now within your heart and actually say to yourself, Lord, I may not know you right now completely. I may have been pretending all my life to know you, but Lord, here I am. I am ready to commit my life to you right now. And Father God, I just want to pray, Lord, that if there is somebody here that has been in that situation, I pray, Lord, that you'd reveal yourself to them in glory right now. I pray, Lord, that you would touch their hearts right now. If there is, Lord, hurt that was experienced, if there is, Lord, a blandness that is there in the heart right now, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you heal it in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you reveal yourself to them right now, Lord. Whether here in this room, Lord, or whether anyone that's online watching, Lord. Lord, let them understand, Lord, that you are a God that loves and that your love never fails that your love is everlasting. Thank you, Lord. And I also want to pray, Lord, for everybody who, who that has answered that question, yes, and they do. I pray, Lord, that you continue giving them the strength to continue loving you, Lord, to praise you, Lord, to worship you, Lord, to obey your word, Lord, to put you above everything else, Lord, to continue desiring you, Lord, as the deer pants for water, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through these doors, Lord, later on through the service, Lord, I pray, Lord, that our lives will be changed, Lord, forever, Lord. Help us love more, Lord. Help us love you and help us love others, Lord, in the way that you do, Lord, in truth. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. <laughs>